my dad was like, oh, well, what are you going to do? I, well, I don't know. I was, I was a bit here, there and everywhere. I wanted to be the Prime Minister, is what I wanted to be. <laughs> right. Yeah, good goal. I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In an East Midlands town, a career in technology starts with a college course. And then when I walked in and there's no other women on the course, I found that quite uh, a daunting place to be. Coming up, from the only woman in a computer science class to CEO of a multinational cloud company. Hi, I'm Sean McGinty, and this is Digital Awakenings, stories about people and business. Digital Awakenings might sound a rather grand way of expressing a momentary realization or a slow, gradual mental reckoning that the world around you is changing. You might not know exactly what to do about it, but you know that you and your company need to act. Fast or slow, it's like you've woken up to a whole new world. So to my guest, they say if you want something doing, then you should ask a busy person. And this is what I felt supremely guilty of doing on the day I recorded episode two of Digital Awakenings. You're about to meet Vicky Critchley, who's the relatively new CEO of Bamboom Cloud, a company that was spun out of CPIT earlier this year. They do exactly what they say on their tin. They offer a simple cloud-based solution to small and medium-sized businesses here in the UK and across the US. I ask all my guests to upload three photographs that chart their digital awakenings, but the first time I see them is when we're talking. I don't think I really had a digital awakening until I was older. So as a child growing up in the 80s, uh, we, had, we had a computer, we had an Amstrad computer. But I really never really got it. I was more into books, had a telescope, so I, I, I liked things like that. But never really, uh, computer science at, at school on the old BBC computers just didn't really um, give me any sort of interest. I didn't in particularly enjoy like computer games or anything like that. I think it was not not until I got to uh, like 16, 17 when I really started to to be interested in it. We'll come back to who and what sparked that interest in computers later. Vicky was at Cooper Parry IT, now known as CPIT, for 16 years until earlier this year she led a management buyout and made the new business Bamboom Cloud. Before that, she'd worked for some US firms and it was at one of those companies she had a first digital awakening. Uh, can you remember your first picture? I'm just going to go to them now the, that you yeah, sent us. I can. Yeah, it's a BlackBerry. Yeah. Wow, the BlackBerry. <clears throat> what a remarkable thing that was. I mean, I was never a fan, just to get it out there now. Yeah, it was divisive, wasn't it? So let me take you back to a world before iPhone. The BlackBerry gave users for the first time a secure and fully mobile way to communicate via text and email. What, what did it do for you? What was, you know, when, when that landed in your hand, kind of yeah. productivity, what was it that changed the world for you? So at the time, I was working for the guys in Silicon Valley and my boss was in Oregon. So there were some guys in San Francisco and some guys in Atlanta and there was like 
It was like being in the UK. <laughs> mm. And I just had a baby. So this was just when Alice was really tiny. And I received this box with the, the Blackberry in it. What that did for me is that because those guys were working different hours to me, I felt like I'd had to sit at my computer and be locked into my computer. Mm-hmm. So the BlackBerry fundamentally gave me a life, is that I could leave the desk and go wherever I wanted to, but still feel connected to my work and not feel like I was dropping the ball. So if I needed to, I don't know, even go in shopping, or it kind of gave me a peace of mind that I was still on top of things, even when I was away from my desk. So I felt like this little box, this it was blue, I can remember the the device. It just gave me a life <laughs> that I could move away from my desk, still be massively on it. So, uh, yeah. Um, and obviously it got superseded very quickly by the Windows phone because it talked to our systems better and those sort of things, and subsequently the iPhone. I don't think anybody's looked mm. back since then. But that was my first device where it had got actual proper email on it and I felt like I was untethered from the desk. I loved that it was just a parcel that arrived out of the blue containing an unexpected blue life changer. And as we all know now, the mobile phone has a stratospheric upside, but also a society changing downside. I read somewhere that the, your phone is more addictive than heroin. And I'd agree with that. We have a, a CMO over in Seattle. She was telling me about an app that her daughter's got where it's trying to reduce your screen time. So you grow things on this app. It's like a game. Your trees die in the app if you use your phone too much. But while your phone's idle, they'll grow. And I think that's such a great idea to gamify the coming off the constant thinking that you need to be on so yeah so my blackberry was the first <laughs> i suppose the first introduction to that heroin of yeah yeah being not always connected it yeah it can ruin family holidays because you're annoyed about something that's happened and you just think oh and the kids we take the kids um we've got four children between us right. and we go on holiday we went on holiday to la and we took their phones off them because they end up being so sucked into the digital world mm. that they're not taking any notice of the great things that they're on holiday seeing so, or talking to each other because they're sucked into their life on their phone. So we took the phones off them and we got different children. Well, there's a lot of parents who dream of being able to remove their kids from their devices and the amorphous online cloud they spend so much of their headspace roaming. And that's Vicky's second picture, the cloud. In its most useful form, I first saw the value of the cloud with Gmail in 2005. There was no clunky application where you have to download your emails to a flaky hard drive, your contacts are safe forever, and well, it was just a better way of communicating and organising email. But for distributed companies like CPIT, in a pre-cloud world, there were enormous challenges just getting emails to work. We had something crazy like 16 exchange servers, so 16 different email servers in the business servicing different offices. They were just a nightmare mm. to either 
get everyone to talk to each other across different locations. So we knew that the cloud was the answer. And we, we went on to a very early um, Office 365 product. I can't even remember what it was called now. It didn't last for very long because it wasn't very good in the usual cycle yeah. of things. Oops. <laughs> so, and then we couldn't upgrade it to the actual version very well. But anyway, we went through some turbulence there because we were early adopters, but we could see the value straight away of um, not having that management of the IT and um, having it all centrally so that regardless of where you were, it would just work. Bamboon Cloud, Vicky's new company, is Cloud First, and they're on a mission to help small and medium businesses in the UK and US get the tools they need to grow. These tools come at a price and feature set that in technology terms, Vicky says levels up the IT playing field for smaller companies. The cloud allows you to buy one of something or 10,000 of something. It allows a startup business, so if I'm setting up a, I don't know, whatever, a new business, doing digital marketing. I can have the same tools that Tesco's use mm. because I just want one and they need 100,000. So the scale, the scale built into it straight away. And before you could get access to things like small business server that would give you the, the basics, but anything cooler than that, anything more advanced than that was, that was really gonna take you from A to B growth wise, was restricted to the ones that could afford it. The cloud is more inclusive. It allows you to just take off, bite off what you want to bite off rather than having to buy, think about, oh, well, have I got £20,000 for a licence? Well, it was literally that £20,000 possible hole in cash flow that in the mid-90s caused me to take my own company in a totally different direction using Linux and a customer management system we had to design and build ourselves. Thankfully, those days are over. It's just a different ball game now where you can, you can get access to making everyone's life a bit easier for very low costs. And that means that it's a lot more inclusive and what we do as a business is package all of that up so that it's nice and easy for our customers to understand. We want it to be as simple as like, if you go into McDonald's and you're choosing things off, you know, off the board, then you go in and you say, oh, I want a Big Mac and a chicken sandwich and a, and a Coca-Cola. And then it comes out the other end and you wait for your food. We want our, off, our applications, our offers to be as simple as ordering off McDonald's. And the only way we can do that is to have the backing of the cloud tech behind us because we know that a customer can just buy one or two or 20 or 100 of something, but it's completely flexible. We're not saying hand over large sums of money related to a application. We take, say, 40% profit of that and because it, it just makes it makes it one step out of reach of the small business. Mm. But cloud puts it all in small businesses' pocket and they can use it to their, however they want. It just means that the world's changed and the little guy has a chance. It's really interesting you say that. In my role as an advisor, when I speak to small and medium-sized businesses, and I'm not being derogatory when I say it, but I come across a lot of really good companies, great products. Actually, the sales channels are really good, but I call them sort of boomer companies, you know. They don't see that world that you're talking about how impactful is it on companies like that, that are good companies doing well, but they're really not using the productivity tools Huge. and the sales channels? Huge. Because 
it just makes everyone a lot more efficient. You're taking away the inefficiencies in working and giving people... It's like sending a joiner out to work with some blunt tools and a drill that doesn't work and give him some good tools and he'll do that job twice as quick. And it's the same concept with tools that you use in the business world for tapping on your computer or making your customers happy or it's it's exactly the same concept it's just better things for to make your business go faster let's come on to teams because one of your pictures that you you kindly sent me my, my experience of teams hasn't been massive but i do understand the absolute revolution that microsoft has gone through over the last 10 years and reshaped what they are as a company and actually at the end of it from in my humble opinion some kind of ropey products um, that were too expensive you know they've got products that actually i just even though part of me doesn't want to i buy now every month and i'm i'm giving the money every month because they do what i want I guess Teams itself, it can be a little bit opaque to some people. It can be quite difficult to understand exactly what it is and does. Mm. How do you simplify that for a company that just wants to make widgets or whatever? I think the, the, the companies who don't know what it does inside is because it does a lot. So, And I don't think Microsoft does a, a very good job of telling people that. But for me, the reason why Teams is on there is... It's at, as a business during COVID, obviously we were in an office. We set up a US business in March last year, which was seen as not very good timing at the time. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> what a year you've had. But yeah. let's go on, carry on. But, um, so we established our business um, February last year. So we've first become incorporated in the US. We'd got our first guy and we'd got our first hire, like our first person to do the work. And we met her in March. She had to go home quickly because of lockdown. Since then, we've hired 11 more people in the US. And so I've never met these people in my life. But teams, and everyone's obviously been working from home, teams has fundamentally ran our business so because it's not just so what we're using now so we're using zoom to do video conferencing what teams is is video conferences is probably about five percent of what it does Mm. but what it does it moves your life out of spending too much time in email and receiving too many emails and being overwhelmed with the amount of stuff in your inbox into a lot more uh, structured format where you have um, everything in the one place. I'm talking to Vicky Critchley, CEO of Bamboom Cloud, who's sharing with me the big digital change moments in her life. Let's go back to how she got into the world of business tech. As a youngster, she liked telescopes and reading, not showing any real interest in the standard issue Amstrad computer that was in her childhood home. But then a person close to her intervened. I think it was not not until I got to uh, like 16, 17, when I really started to, to be interested in it. And it was actually my father. So <laughs> as, a, as a typical... I was doing my A-levels 
and trying to find career options. And my dad was like, oh, well, what are you going to do? I, well, I don't know. I was, I was a bit here, there and everywhere. I wanted to be the prime minister is what I wanted to be. <laughs> right. Yeah, good goal. I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so he was like, well, we need something other than the prime minister. <laughs> so uh, he'd, he'd uh, obviously, um, technology was just coming to the, the forefront when uh, I was a teenager in business. So he said, why don't we go to and have a look at some courses uh, that are like a computer science and see if you'd like that. So well, yeah, so I kind of got, I kind of got talked into it, I suppose. And, um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was, um, it was just something different, something that I never thought I'd enjoy, but I really did enjoy it, especially like the business side of things like databases and communications and all the things that I could really do quite easily. So, um, yeah, it wasn't until um, my, re- my, my father was my um, guiding light to um, a career in technology. Vicky's dad thought about his daughter getting into technology because he'd seen some articles in his newspaper and because he simply thought she'd be good at it. He still sends her clippings on subjects that he thinks will be the next big thing. And I tell everyone this, that it's, it was purely by accident and purely on my dad's advice is to go into IT. And it's a bit daunting when I first started because obviously when you apply for things, you don't understand who you're going to be working with and then when I walked in and there's no other women on the course I found that quite uh, a daunting place to be but you kind of get used to it and uh, you have to find some commonality with other people and we got on famously so it, it was absolutely fine. So sure, it was a bit daunting at first, but Vicky didn't let her being the only woman in a class of men distract her from her goal. Through this course, Vicky got into 3D modelling and some other geeky stuff. She'd worked with code at college and decided that being a developer certainly wasn't for her. But at the end of the course, she got help from her tutors to get an interview for a tech support job. When I walked in, they'd opened up a PC, because obviously as tech support, you're fixing PCs and Macs as your daily job but we'd learnt about systems and databases and programming like I said and all of that but I'd never looked inside so I'd never been one of those people that like put together their own computer some of the guys on the course like they were doing this all the time they were buying bits off and then making their own makeshift PCs and cranking them up, putting extra memory in them and all sorts of things like that. But I never did anything like that. So when I got to my interview, they'd got the lid off a PC and I had to tell them what all the components were. So what a motherboard was, what a hard disk was, what the memory was. I completely blacked it. I thought, well, that looks like a hard disk. That kind of looks like a motherboard. (laughs) So I just made it up, got them all right. So they thought I, like, I'd, I'd been inside a computer before, which I'd never been inside a computer. So I got the job. And it wasn't just me as a, a woman uh, tech support uh, inside the uh, in my first job either. So I, I, that was reassuring that they were hiring women into the same role as me. Vicky's daughter is 18 as I record this podcast, but when she was a toddler, the now Bamboom Cloud CEO was working for a tech company in Silicon Valley and searching for a way to balance a career in children. 
I left there and was looking for a role that would allow me to be a mom as well as um, as work because my job with the um, US company meant a lot of travel. So I was constantly on planes and so I just had a bit of a rethink about what I needed to do. So I took a massive pay drop to start, start at Cooper Barry, but I thought it was the best thing to do after having a baby. As a young woman, she wanted to be Prime Minister. Then she entered an industry at a time when women were scarce. She juggled babies and blackberries and now is an ally for women. But after her experience of spinning out a new transatlantic company just as a pandemic struck, I asked her if she thought the changes we've all experienced in business could work out better for women in the workplace. I did a blog the, on International Women's Day that I think there's been a lot of bad things. Obviously, people have died and people have been... The mental health issues of what we've been through will be long-standing. But I think there has been some benefits. We've learned how to work in a new way. And we've learned how to work flexibly. So some of the girls in my team, some of the women have got children, been homeschooling. They've still worked, but worked when they can work. I think being having a more understanding business world, a more flexible business world, will mean that more women can fit their responsibilities of being a mother and work and make it work for them. I think that you're always, if you work for an employer who's not flexible you're torn between like am i being a great mother or and am i doing the best i can and you kind of you've you've kind of got mummy guilt all the time regardless of what you do i hope that when the world goes back to normal that the flexibility stays and that women feel that they can do both and excel at both so be a great parent and also excel at work i don't see any reason why they can't do that it's a mind shift change by employers to not clock watch and not do nine to five. Most jobs don't need nine to five. You should focus on the outcomes, not what they're doing, tapping on a computer all day. I mean, they may be sitting there nine till five, but no outcome at the end of it. If, if they're smashing their outcomes, then who cares what hours they're working or do they want to work, start earlier, do things later? It, I, I really don't care. All I care about is the output, but... I hope that other employers will carry on that flexibility post-Covid. Outcomes. Such an important thing to remember when you're thinking about changing the way your business works, whether it's improving the productivity of your people or the effectiveness of your digital campaigns. It's all about the outcomes and how you measure them. Thanks to you for listening. Also, thanks to Vicky Critchley from Bamboom Cloud for telling us her digital awakenings. When I'm not making this podcast, I enable small and medium-sized businesses to seize digital opportunities around them. Go to bentleymcginty.co.uk to find out more. And the music throughout this podcast is made by the remarkable band from Lancashire in the UK, Northling. There's a link in the show notes. Follow Digital Awakenings wherever you get your podcast and go to digitalawakenings.co.uk or email me, sean at digitalawakenings.co.uk. This podcast comes out on the first and third Sunday of every month. So I'll see you in two weeks.